Welcome to Safety FM, where we talk about safety that's truly inspired by you. Hello and welcome to Safety FM. This episode of the broadcast and the podcast have been brought to you by Safety Focus Moment. They're consultants that want to help you get to the safety culture that you've been looking for. For more information, go to safetyfocusmoment.com. Hello and welcome to Safety FM. On today's episode, we have Denny Kolch. Denny is a licensed mental health counselor and specialist in treating opioid addiction. Today we have Denny on Safety FM and he's going to discuss an organization called To Write Love on Her Arms. SafetyFM.com with Jay Allen. Changing safety cultures one broadcast and one podcast at a time. And you might sit there and go, what exactly is To Write Love on Her Arms? They're an organization that helps people that are dealing with addiction, depression, anxiety, eating disorder, self-injury, suicide, trauma, and things to that extent. And you're probably sitting there going, what does this have to do with a safety broadcast or podcast? Well, I know that sometimes we deal with a lot of different things within the safety industry and we see some things that most people don't get to see. And sometimes we have to interact with people and have understandings on things that are kind of out of the ordinary. And I sat here and I gave some consideration of exactly what we deal with as safety professionals and some of the thoughts that you might have at times and some of the strange things that you get to see. And also when you start talking about it, some of the things that you get to see, especially if you're at a location where there's an incident that occurred or if you're actually involved in doing investigation, and especially in real time, especially after an incident has occurred. So I really thought that if we had a discussion about this particular organization with Denny, he can give you some insights on what they do and also be able to provide some help to some of the listeners that are out there. Without us discussing anymore what the episode's about, let's go ahead and get it started. And here's Denny Kolsch on Safety FM. Safety FM. Changing safety cultures. One broadcast and one podcast at a time. Well, Denny, I appreciate you actually coming on. And we have discovered you through To Write Love on Her Arms. Um, That was really how we came about in regards of really finding out about you. And what I wanted to do today was actually why we have you on is really have a discussion about the organization. I will tell you, there was several years ago, I want to say it was probably closer to like 2010, if I remember correctly, I was in West Palm Beach, Florida, and I went to a Switchfoot concert. And they had a discussion and they said, hey, we have these people here. And they brought somebody up from your organization and they had a discussion with the crowd about what to write love on her arm stands for and how the organization was formed. So I wanted to get somebody on from your organization and really just have a discussion exactly what you guys do in regards of helping people. Could you cover that today? Yes, absolutely. Um, so to write love in her arms uh, started in 2006. Uh, really at that initial Switchfoot conference, uh, Switchfoot concert. And um, it began as an attempt to help one girl uh, named Renee Yohi, um, who was struggling with addiction and uh, mood disorder, specifically bipolar disorder. And they're really trying to help her get well. And um, 
they didn't really know a whole lot about mental health or treatment. It was it was Jamie Torkowski who had just been introduced to Renee and a handful of friends that were just trying to help her and try to get her into a place of, of um, help. So, so yeah, Tori Love Arms was birthed out of this week-long attempt at trying to help Renee get into um, a treatment facility for, for her uh, um, dual diagnosis issues that were going on. So from there, it turned into this, really this internet phenomenon um, right around the time when Facebook and MySpace and all that is starting to to uh, become popularized, um, Troy Loving Arms came on the scene and and uh, started to become a real voice in our culture, especially with with the youth, um, youth and people in their early twenties, um, and uh, became a voice in our culture that gave people permission to to talk about mental health issues, to actually reach out and get help. And so, yeah, Detroit Love and Arms since then has has grown into this international organization that is um, doing a lot of work in regards to destigmatizing mental health issues in our culture and giving people, typically younger people, um, an avenue for understanding more about mental health, engaging with mental health issues through conferences, um, through uh, just blog posts, through festival events, um, and um, and Troy Lover also has become a source of of um, connecting people directly to treatment through through um, some of their network and um, find help uh, sites on their website, and they've also on top of that been able to support people financially through treatment um they've donated at this point it's a million and a half plus dollars to treatment and recovery um so yeah they've done a lot of work in advocacy and helping people get direct services and then just culturally making these issues more accessible and uh, less stigmatized well, I have to tell you, I'm actually based in the Orlando area, and there's quite a few things that you guys actually do in the community. And I'll tell you, I've been to a couple of the heavy and light things that you guys actually have out in um, at uh, the House of Blues down in downtown Disney or whatever it's named now. But I've really been impressed with some of the events. I know that you guys are actually tied into the Warp Tour. Um, you guys go to several college campuses in regards of actually doing some of the tours and actually having some of the conversations. And it's really interesting just listening to everything that you guys cover. And I know that a lot of people will normally not come about or feel comfortable at first in regards of having the conversation about addiction or depression. And I was just amazed, and especially in the heavy and light section, on where they had the little name cards or really not name cards, but they were just like post-it notes that you could actually put out there and just kind of really reference what was heavy to you and what was light. It was one of those really moving moments, just being able to see a lot of people actually typing that stuff up, not typing it, but writing it out and putting it up there just to display on, you know, what was affecting them at the time. So how easy is it when you're normally starting off the conversation or, or you actually even have somebody actually contact your organization to say, hey, this is an issue that I'm struggling with, especially because this is something that normally most people don't talk about. Yeah, so um, 
a lot of what Trey Living Arms initially started doing when it was very grassroots, even before it was a um, an official like 501c3 nonprofit, um, was answering MySpace messages, uh, email messages, and pretty much just like responding to people who were struggling and felt the permission for often the first time to reach out and tell somebody about it. So they contacted what was the, the kind of beginnings of the organization through these mediums, social media mediums and, and um, reaching out um, and for the first time often uh, expressing how um, they've been struggling with depression and they haven't told anyone or they've been struggling with self-harm, self-injury, and no one knows they hide it um, by covering, by wearing long sleeves or saying, you know, like my, my brother or sister um, died of, of suicide and I don't know who to talk to about it. And so, um, so to this day, they still get, you know, thousands of, of, of messages of people that have really trusted their stories and what they're, what they're personally going through or what someone else they know is going through. And, um, and being able to reach out to Trite Love uh, staff and get some guidance and some support. And then I would say ultimately a sense of um, um, uh, not being alone through that whole process, which is often what drives stigma. It's often what is driving mental health issues at a very uh, systemic level in our society. Um, we we believe that when we're struggling with these things, we often believe that we're alone in it and that we're the only ones. And because we believe that often, we end up not reaching out. We end up not believing that anyone else would even want to listen to us or that they would take us seriously or that they wouldn't judge us. And so we often, as people in the society, we often just remain stuck in it, um, believing that, you know, this is just something I have to deal with. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, above all other things that Trite Love has done with different programs, conferences, being at festivals, like at the core of it has, um, the work that Trite Love has done has really been to, uh, be this place where people could reach out and just share their stories. And that, that experience that you had at the Heavy and Light event is one of those expressions of that. It's, it's Troy Love doing something creative to give people um, publicly an opportunity to express what's going on in their life. And then in turn, other people who maybe participated in that, um, in that uh, creative expression or they didn't, but nonetheless saw it. And then it becomes this eye opener of like, wow, that like people here who are like elbow to elbow with me are struggling with this stuff. And then it becomes way more real. Like most people don't stigmatize things um, when they know somebody else that is struggling with it or they're close to it. It's usually when we just assume that, you know, this person is, um, 
you know, theoretically out there struggling with something that we tend to distance ourselves from it, not really care about it, or just blatantly like stigmatize it, not want to be associated with it. So Try Love has done a really good job at bringing these issues to people's like um, um, spaces of, of uh, spaces that they interact with. Um, maybe quite frankly to the to the living room or the the dining room table um or it's or it's a festival or or wherever it may be a high school or, or college where they're not really maybe talking about these issues as honestly well i have to tell you you know you referenced there towards the end when you were saying that about how you know people are bringing it up now inside you know inside of the dining room inside of the living room and the amazing part about it is even a, a good way of being able to start this conversation is really dealing with the movie that you guys have and i was not aware that there was a movie out i was actually flipping through a, a one of the video services and i found the movie and i actually watched it and i was impressed on you know how well detailed it was about the story of renee and how they went into detail on what occurred and i would just find amazing the different approaches that to right love on our arms has actually taken in regards of trying to you know, just taking different avenues of having this conversation, because like you said, you know, a lot of people, there was a lot of stigma with that at one point where people didn't want to talk about it and the approach that the organization has taken in regards of really trying to change that, I, you know, it's admirable in regards of how you guys have done it. Now, I know that, you know, earlier we were talking right before we started off, could you give us some of the credentials that you have in regards of, of inside of this space? Yeah, so um, I am a licensed mental health counselor and uh, the chief uh, clinical officer at Peace Club, which is a dual diagnosis residential treatment facility in Cocoa Beach, Florida, which is just east of Orlando. Um, and then before I became a counselor, I actually worked with Trite Love in Her Arms for several, several years developing their um, university programs. Okay, sorry about that. Could you go a little, into a little bit more detail about the university program that they actually have? Yeah, so um, it's called University Chapters, and uh, we started that back in 2008, 2009, a couple years after Try Love existed. I noticed having myself just at that point graduated from Florida State University that Troy Love and Arms was kind of starting to get known on college campuses, but there was no real structure behind it or way for college students to engage with the mission of Troy Love and Arms. So we ended up launching this program called University Chapters as an attempt to organize students on college campuses across the United States and Canada mostly to really have an um, an avenue for for rallying around the mission of 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 uh, Trite Love and Arms specifically, but also the issues of mental health, destigmatization, um, and education, um, generally speaking. So, so yeah, that's been in existence now for yeah about I mean closing in on near decade. Um, um, so it's, it's essentially just student organizations that, um, that um, carry the mission of, of Try Love in Her Arms on campuses. So they'll do different events, fundraisers, um, creative 
kind of outreach stuff. Um, and there is, I believe there's, there's still over or near around a hundred of those chapters on college and university campuses across the United States. So right now, if we, if we have any listeners that are listening and they're actually struggling with addiction, depression, or need grief counseling or self-injury or, you know, ha- having suicidal thoughts, what is the best way to be able to contact to write love on our arms? Um, the best way to contact usually is just uh, reaching them through email, typically through their info account. And you can find out all that information on their on their website, uh, twloha.com, or just simply Google search to write love in her arms and it'll lead you to their website. So um, that's typically the best way to do it because they daily have people checking that. Um, they have a group of interns, which is an intern program they developed a handful of years ago. And these interns live in a house together for periods of like four to four to five months, about a term or a semester. And um, they answer emails all day long, pretty much, you know, kind of nine to five and are responding to people. So they'll, um, they will take the email and then based on what's going on with that email, they'll, they'll be able to send it to the right person or personally answer it themselves. So yeah, the info account is, is the proper way to, to, uh, start that conversation. And then just, just to kind of follow up, sometimes is there anything involved where you'll start off with them and they might actually refer you to somewhere locally? Let's say, for instance, if you're not in Florida, if you're in a different state where they'll, and there's not a to write for a lover arms chapter or the actual physical facility there where they would refer them to somebody else. Yeah. So if somebody is reaching out specifically for resources for, um, for counseling or treatment or something like that, then my my uh, recommendation would be instead of reaching out through the info account, I would start actually with their website find help page, which is extremely exhaustive and will really comb through the different resources in each location. Um, and it's something that they've had for a while, but they've recently put a good chunk of, of um, resources into um, into uh, just developing the technology behind it so that it can really connect people to their local resources. So their find help page on their website is, um, is the best place to start. And then if there's any questions um, around that, um, then reach out through the, uh, through the info account. I mean, and just looking at the website itself, especially that find help section as you're referencing, I mean, there's so many different aspects on there in regards to what you can cover in regards of addiction, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, self-injury. I mean, and it goes on from there and there's quite a bit of information. So now if somebody wants to contact them and really get involved with their organization, what would they need to do? Um, I would start with, I would start with reaching out through the info account and there's different ways to get involved. Like if you're local, for example, um, there's different uh, fundraisers that go on locally. Um, sometimes they need some volunteers for a 5K race, for example, or maybe even maybe even um, um, like a heavy and light event, something of that nature. So, if they're local, I would just um, 
I'd either show up to an event that's going on if they find out about it and say hi, um, or just reach out through the info account. Um, some very specific ways to get involved often are going through the intern program if someone's interested in that level of commitment. Um, or it might be connecting with a group on campus at a college um, or university. Um, or again, like if there's a festival going on or something like that, just stop by a booth. They're pretty pretty open and, and um, hospitable and in terms of um, giving people some information and getting them some ways that they can get connected to the organization and, and actually turn their their interest into a real, um, real uh, practical, um, uh, just volunteer type of thing, or, or like I said, an internship or something like that. Okay. And Denny, is there anything else that you would like to cover that I might not have hit on? I think, I mean, I think that's about it other than just reemphasizing the, the need in our, in our culture to, to really continue to have this discussion. Um, you know, podcasters, even like getting involved in, in, uh, in really giving their audience an opportunity to engage with these issues because the statistics show that um, like one out of four people are, um, are struggling usually with some kind of mood disorder. Um, globally and uh and uh the majority of those people are not are not getting help and often the reason they're not getting help is because a they don't feel the permission by by their friends or family members or community to even speak out about these things and to to be honest about them or b they they don't know where to go so i would just i I would just leave with with uh with um, encouraging people to continue to talk about it in creative ways. Um, if it means getting involved with Try Love and Arms uh, to provide a real vehicle for, for engaging with this mission, then maybe that's what it looks like. But, but really just encouraging people to be open and honest about, about their own lives and, um, and realize that most people are struggling with very real mental health issues and um and our our society needs to grow by being open and and honest about them i mean realistically this is an ongoing conversation this is not a conversation where it is you started and then it stops and then things change automatically it's it's an all always an ongoing battle do i have that correct yeah i mean even people that are struggling with mental health issues if if it's a depression disorder anxiety disorder uh, substance use disorder i mean personally um i mean i'm a licensed therapist but i'm also a, a person in recovery from um anxiety and mood disorders and um an opioid use disorder heroin use disorder 15 years sober now so so even for my own self um it's very real even 15 years later where i have to be on top of it i have to be open with people around me i have to be on be on top of my self-care and doing the things that that i know work and keeping me well so so yeah 
Um, it's an ongoing conversation in our society. It's an ongoing conversation in our own lives, in our families' lives, um, in our communities' lives as well. Um, because it doesn't just disappear, even when you treat it in your own life through counseling or whatever it is, um, you have to you have to manage it longer term. And life does get better. Um, there's reason to be hopeful, but you got to do the things that that are necessary to to maintain that that sense of wellness and um, and health that we're really all after. And it takes work. And Denny, I'm glad that you really pointed that out because I really think that sometimes that's the lack of understanding people that are not going through that, that they think, you know, it's just like going to a, a normal doctor where you go, you get treated, you get medicine, and then now you're good to move on. And I don't think that a lot of us have that understanding of this is an ongoing battle and, you know, things will get better, but it's something that it's consistently, I mean, you referenced right there, you know, 15 years ago that you've been sober you know, starting, you know, 15 years ago. And it's just one of those things that you struggle with it daily. And I really do appreciate you actually giving us that information, but it's, it's an ongoing battle, but things have, you know, progressed for you, but it's something that you still deal with on a daily basis. For sure. Yeah. Still always got to be mindful of it on top of it and uh, doing the things that I know work. And that doesn't look like how it looked during my first year of, of sobriety and recovery from all this. But, um, but it's definitely still an intentional activity that happens on a, on a daily basis for me. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a real thing. Um, um, there's reason for us as, as a, as a society to, to put resources, energy into it. And then there's reasons for us personally to, to be open and honest about what's going on in our life because we are valuable. We matter and we matter to other people and um and our stories are are stories that other people are are experiencing as well maybe not the same exact thing we've all gone through our own individual things but but uh we share we individually share very similar stories in terms of that struggle you know that real struggle of mental health Denny, if the people want to get more information about the organization or by about you, what would they need to do? Um, check out the website, Two Right Love in Her Arms, or TWLOHA.com. Um, if people are interested more specifically in the work I'm doing, um, I work with, um, I'm actually a co-founder of it. It's called um, a treatment center called Peace Club in Cocoa Beach. And they can find us at uh, www.peace.club. Um, I can also be found on, on Instagram um, at um, Denny Kolsch, too. So I would love to uh, give any support or direction I can to any of your audience and, um, and then point them in any direction with Trite Love specifically that, that I can that might end up helping, helping them. Well, Denny, I do appreciate you coming on to Safety FM today. Great. It's been, uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you.
The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast. Join the fun on social media and find us on Facebook at Safety FM.